Welcome to Talk and Truth, the podcast that brings together conservative pastor Brian Clark and famous comedian Dan Whitney, aka Larry the Cable Guy. Oh boy, get some popcorn on this. They'll be talking truth about the Bible and life. Now let's join Brian for today's look at God's Word, followed by conversation and a little fun with Brian, Dan, and today's guest, Pastor Nat Crawford. Now, here's Brian. I hope he's wearing pants this week. Adam and Eve sinned against God. They deliberately disobeyed Him. So now what? Now we get to see the other side of God. Now we expose the angry, judgmental, wrathful, hail, fire, and brimstone God of the Old Testament. Right? This now is our first glimpse of how God responds to our disobedience and sin. I'm not sure what you're expecting, but I'll tell you this. It's the God all of us long for once we know we've blown it and sinned against God. It's good to remind ourselves that the Bible is God's self-revelation. As we talked about in episode one, we believe the Bible to be the very words of God. In other words, this is God telling us how He responds when sin enters the story. The first thing Adam and Eve did when they sinned is they hid from God. Why? Because they were feeling the shame of their sin. It's interesting that the text specifically tells us they hid in the trees. You remember the trees were given to bring pleasure to Adam and Eve. God said they were both pleasurable to look at and to eat from. Now what God has given them as a demonstration of his goodness has become a place of hiding for Adam and Eve. It's convicting to think how often we do this. God blesses us, and the next thing you know, we're using those blessings to hide from God. Maybe for you, those blessings would be money, or success, or talent, or a relationship, or pleasure. We hide in the trees, trying to find satisfaction in something other than God. Why do we do that? Where did that behavior start? With Adam and Eve in the third chapter of the Bible. We are told that God came looking for Adam and Eve in the garden in the cool of the day. What's implied is that it was God's habit to come to Adam and Eve and enjoy spending time with them each evening. It's a beautiful picture of the world as God intended it to be. But this time, Adam and Eve were nowhere to be found. They were hiding. The question God asks is, where are you? It's worth noting that God doesn't ask, what have you done? What have you done would be about their performance. Where are you is about the relationship. God was searching for his friends who are now hiding from him. You can hear the sadness in God's voice. That's what sin does. It makes us hide from God. God was calling Adam and Eve to come back. It's very similar to the heart of the father of the prodigal son. He just wanted his son to come home again. When God confronted Adam, Adam blamed Eve. In some ways, Adam even blamed God by saying, The woman that you gave me, she gave me from the tree and I ate. I'm telling you this. 
If I was God, I would have clobbered Adam for mouthing off like that. Thankfully, God isn't like that. Eve then blames the serpent for deceiving her. The blame game so common in today's culture is nothing new. It started all the way back in Genesis 3 with the first sin. God then outlines the consequences of their sin. For the woman, she will suffer pain in both pregnancy and childbirth. She will also desire to challenge her husband, and in return, he will dominate her. In other words, the beautiful harmony that God intended between men and women would now become more of a competition, the battle of the sexes, because sin makes us selfish. The consequence to the man meant that he would battle the thorns and thistles to grow a crop from the ground to survive. It would be difficult now to rule over creation. While these consequences may seem odd to us, there's a larger message here. Essentially, what God is saying is that from conception to birth to the sustaining of life, I'm going to make life really hard. Why? To punish them? Hardly. It was to save them. You see, in the curse to the serpent, God promised that through the seed of a woman, meaning a human, he would bring forth one who would crush the serpent and once again bring life back out of death. Sin brought death, both physical death and spiritual death. But God promised he would ultimately win by bringing life back out of death. In other words, he promised a savior. God would send a savior, but the only way people could be saved would be to realize we're not God. We need help. We need to be rescued. God would make life hard to knock this foolish idea out of our heads that we can be our own gods. For unless we turn to God and accept his savior, we have no hope to make it back to paradise. This then becomes the main storyline of the Bible. God will do the work to save us, but we will have to choose to rest in what he has done. Does that sound familiar? The first paradise was created by God. God did the work, then he rested. God then placed Adam and Eve in the garden to experience paradise. Now, after sin, God has once again done the work by sending Jesus to be the Savior of the world. He has done the work and offers paradise to those who are willing to receive it, to rest in what God has done for us. It's just hard for me to imagine a more gracious and merciful God than the God who immediately after Adam and Eve rebelled against him and sinned, promised a savior to cover the shame of our sin. Let's bring in Dan and Nat and let's talk about this. So guys, it's not uncommon that you hear people talk about the God of the Old Testament Mm -hmm. as if he's a different God and he's a God of vengeance and anger and judgment, which is why I think it's so important to look at this text and realize this is the first glimpse we get of how God responds when Adam and Eve introduce sin Hmm. into the picture. 
Yeah, I think it's interesting so many people have that picture of God, but I think that is the caricature that people have developed over time. And what's fascinating is as you read the Bible, you find out so often, I mean, Jonah's a great example. I mean, he was really angry with God because he was so loving and so gracious, right? I right. mean, he was mad, you know. <laughs> but here again, now we find God. And like you said, my my personal response would have been, let's take care of this guy and let's, claw, you know, as you said, clobber him. Now, there were consequences, clearly, because God does have a problem with sin. He's a holy God. And yet, in that same swift movement, he says, I'm going to provide a way. That blows religion out of the water, doesn't it, Brian? I mean, seriously. Well, yeah, absolutely. I, I just think it's crazy how the Bible, way back in Genesis, starts the blame game. Hmm. Nobody ever takes personal responsibility for anything. And it's still happening today. And you can see how, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Like, we started this whole thing. You either believe this or you don't. But you can see how how that has affected everything. People never taking personal responsibility, a biblical thing. Hmm. They just don't take it. And, and all of the problems that that causes... Everybody blaming everybody else. I think when you come to uh, me as a layperson, I'm not a theologian. I think that people, especially atheists and people that try to lead people away from the Bible and mislead people, I think they get away with saying God was an angry God because they pull out Deuteronomy and Leviticus and and people that don't read the Bible and understand how to read the Bible they just go along with it. Hmm. And I wish that they taught a little bit more, especially in Christian schools, kids, how to defend that because it's defendable if hmm. they actually read the Bible and knew how to read the Bible. But Brian, what do you say to somebody, though, that will cherry pick verses, say out of Deuteronomy, um, if you don't keep the Sabbath day, I will, you need to be slain and what do you say to the people that would use that as God is this horrible, mean God? Right. So I think that's a great question. I think there's a couple things to think about. One is if people already have a preconceived idea about God, that becomes the lens through which they read the Old Testament. So that's how they interpret God. Right. But I think it's also true you can make the Bible say anything you want to say. You just start plucking verses out of context. Right. Uh, so there are difficult passages, and we'd have to sit down and open them up and explain the context of what's happening there. Right. But from cover to cover, what you see is a consistent pattern of rebellion against God, and God patiently and lovingly calling his people back. I would suggest there isn't a listener listening to this podcast that would have the patience and the kindness to put up with what God has put up with over time. Right. But a lot of it is, I mean, people say these things, the Bible's full of errors, God's a wrathful God, just as a way of keeping God at arm's distance, and that kind of settles the argument and let's move on. But if people are going to be serious, so we're, we're, not, we're not trying to convince those people. 
What we are saying to those that are listening is if you're wanting to be serious about this, then you have to take into account how God reveals himself in the Bible. And this is the first time sin comes up in Genesis, and this is how God records his response to that sin. The first thing he does is promise a savior. Right. Hmm. One thing I do notice, especially in the Old Testament, is I think we said, I said this a while back, if you follow the Bible, it's one goalpost that stays the same. If you follow culture and follow outside of what God's word says, the goalposts are constantly changing. I think a lot of those in the Old Testament, the things that gets people in trouble is these is humans come up with their own man-made rules and regulations that have nothing to do with God, hmm. have nothing to do with anything he said. It seems like a lot of societies try to follow their own rules. They'll take a little bit of this, a little bit, and they'll, they'll make their own offshoot rules from what God says. And that gets them in a lot of trouble. Instead of just listening to God and obeying his words, we, a bunch of idiot humans, make up our own rules on top of that, which has nothing to do with what God was saying. Hmm. And I think that gets them in, that's what gets them in a lot of trouble. Yeah, I, I think we all need to be diligent in, in actually reading the Bible. A friend of mine, recently we were talking, and he goes, you know, I've read the Bible. I'm like, okay. He goes, and I've read the Quran. They're the same thing. And I'm thinking, you have clearly not read these two books because they are not the same thing. And we can do the same thing as Christians. I mean, we can. We can cherry pick the verses, as you said, to say whatever right. we want them to say. But if we're going to have any integrity, we're going to need to look at it piece by piece because anyone can get a snapshot and it won't tell the whole story. I mean, you can come into my house and you may catch me on a good day where I'm, you know, hugging my wife, whispering sweet things in her ear. And he's, they're going to say, man, he's a good husband. Mm -hmm. But you come in maybe five minutes later. I've never been there on that day. you never been there? Because <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't happen very often, I'm, I guess. I'm kidding. No, but I mean, but you could walk in that's five minutes later. And maybe for some reason, my selfishness, my pride, or I could be, <laughs> I could do the blame game, but you could catch me yelling at her. And you're going to say, boy, he is one horrible husband. The things that people can point to in the Bible, they very, very well may be true because God, as we said, he is God and he is holy. He does take sin seriously. Right. And so he has to deal with it. But your, I think your overall point there is you have to take an overall snapshot of the entire thing the entire to understand. Exactly. Look, I've, I've been studying in the Old Testament because I want some of these questions answered. And out of all those things that I've been reading and the culture of the day and, and man, he really is, Brian – he really is a loving God. He does not want people to perish apart from him. And when you begin to really take it all in and sincerely want to learn and 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 understand it, kind of like what you were saying, when you take the whole picture of it and mm -hmm. not just a snippet here and a snippet here to defend what you want to say, but when you take it as a whole 
and you understand the Bible is a book about redemption. Hmm. And people are used as illustrations and examples for us to understand. When you start putting it all together as one big puzzle, you completely understand how loving God is to us. And he has way more patience than you would ever uh, believe. Yeah. You know what? One of the things that might help our listeners is we, we haven't set this up just to be a random talk show. No. We are working our way through Genesis passage by passage. So regardless of what people have heard, we're trying to walk through and we would invite them to open up their Bibles. Does it or does it not say what we're saying it's saying? So we're, we're trying to help with this if people are willing to hang in there mm-hmm. and walk through Genesis with us. Absolutely. Instead of saying, well, the Bible says, actually, we want you to actually go through it with us and right. understand it. You know, we're not trying to force anything on anybody. I mean, nobody's forcing anybody to do anything or believe anything. God gave everybody a free will. But we 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 are going through this meticulously. We're going like what we're doing today. We want people to understand it. We want people to uh, learn. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm asking certain questions, too. I'm still learning. But we're, we're just hoping you listen to the podcast that it, uh, it answers some questions for you. It makes you interested in wanting to dig into it yourself. Hmm. Because for me personally, and I'm sure the other two guys as well, it's, it's the greatest thing ever. Knowledge of the Bible is so awesome and it's so freeing in your life. It, it's, it, it's fantastic. Hmm. I, I love it. So... We, I just, we just want everybody to, to understand it and read for themselves and, and listen to us and tell all your friends. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. But Brian, didn't you write a, don't you have a book about this? Yeah. Have you written a book? Yeah, there's a book called An Unshakable Foundation, which is a book about the first 11 chapters of Genesis that might be helpful to our listeners if they want to take more time to study these things. Awesome. I'm going to read it. That's all for today's episode of Talkin' Truth. Before we go, check out Brian's book, An Unshakable Foundation, a powerful resource for our time, covering the writings of Genesis to help you stay rooted in the truth of your Creator. Find the link in our descriptions. Brian and Dan will be back Talkin' Truth very soon, so be sure to subscribe. Get her done.